0: Good morning, Calvary Church. It's great to see you. Uh, It was great to see all of you out there on the patio. Come on, give a little shout. What's up? (laughs) Uh, So it was good to see you out there this morning and everybody at home. Uh, Just grateful for you being part of this service and this message that I think that God really does have for us in this moment. Like I know this was maybe a normal Thanksgiving for you, but maybe it was kind of a strange Thanksgiving for some of you with your families and what you guys did with your traditions. Like I know for us, it was like part of it was like a little bit different, like where um, we we actually didn't end up going to my in-laws because uh, there was a couple of people that were exposed to COVID and some others with some like more vulnerable circumstances. And so we postponed. And then my side of the family, we got to Joshua Tree every. Year. We have this tradition that I love of going out there. So it's like, great. It's outside. It's kind of like your perfect environment for all of that. Um, but even then, there was a couple people that weren't able to come that would have normally uh, been there. And, you know, it's like we're navigating all that. Like, how does how does this person handle this? How does that, you know, group of the family handle this situation? And kind of like trying to make sure there's no tensions and and, and all of that. So it's like just kind of a different thing this season. And I don't know, maybe yours was totally normal but some of you might even be super disappointed and like that's the one of the things I think in this whole like last several months is just kind of dealing with the tensions dealing with the conflict and dealing with a lot of disappointment. And I know that we can like feel like just sort of down in the midst of everything as it's things are changed, things we really look forward to that don't happen, or even just right now in the way that church is happening right now here and with this whole courtyard and online and, and, and all of that. And I know like even there's tension with that. And some people like that, some people don't. And, and just having to sort of navigate all those things in this season. And... When we feel down and when we feel disappointed, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to think about like, just being filled with joy or filled with faith. But uh, this message today is all about a faith that endures, a faith that lasts. We're on the last... Sunday of this what is faith series as we've looked at Hebrews chapter 11 and loving this chapter and the way it speaks into how do we sort of get through how do we have a faith that lasts and how do we have a vision and a perspective As we move through seasons that have suffering or maybe even seasons that are great. Like how can we have the right vision and perspective through it all. And so this is all about a faith to last. And we're in this last chunk of Hebrews 11. So I would encourage you if you have your Bible open it up. If you've got a device of some sort open it up to Hebrews 11 verse 32. We've seen this sort of definition of faith at the very beginning of Hebrews 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then it goes through this whole uh, list of names of people in the Old Testament that had faith who God was faithful to and ministering to, from Abel to uh, Enoch to Noah to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Rahab, Moses, like all of these and even more that we've looked at. And so how can we then build upon that? And it says, verse 32 here. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if. So even just to pause there, he's saying like, There's so many stories I could tell, these stories are so long, time will fail me of all of these stories of faith. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. So you have all of these judges, priests, prophets that are listed here of what is their story of faith. There's so many more, he says. I mean, we've done an entire series on Gideon, on Samson, on David, uh, let alone just mentioning their name here. But it says, all of these who by faith conquered kingdoms, by faith performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And then it takes a turn here. Okay, it's like all this good stuff, and then it's going to just take a turn. It says, and others were tortured. Not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Like, whoa, what? Like, that's intense. They were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill treated men of whom the world was not worthy. These are great people, men of whom the world was not worthy, but they went wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. We'll talk about this, but about the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah coming. Because God had provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. All right, so that's this whole thing of this faith to last. You've got all of these great stories and then these really intensely bad stories. So this is all about a faith when it's all good and then a faith when it's at its Worst. And so that's what we're kind of digging into here. And and for us, I mean, it's like in a lot of ways, it's very relatable to think about okay, we have faith in these good times, and faith though, when it's a really hard time, a really bad time. And so you've got all these stories of these judges, these kings, these prophets throughout the Old Testament. And he's showing you these, these different ways that kind of everything was really great by faith as they had faith in God, not faith in themselves, not their own strength, not their own power, but God is the one that was faithful to all of these. And so it's this sense of trust. And they they would witness God's provision or God coming through for them in certain ways, and it builds their faith. And so God wants us to look back to these stories, and so you see some different kinds of all good moments, all right? You see national victories from these from these people. I mean, it says they conquered kingdoms, they performed acts of righteousness, they became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. So you've got these sort of macro victories of people like David and Gideon and Barak and these, these big victories of the nation, and so you've got the, that kind of level of things when it's all good. But then there were also these moments of personal deliverance from danger that God was kind of meeting some of them in personal moments, like it says shutting the mouths of lions. You've got uh, David, you've got um, Samson even with lions. You've got obviously Daniel in the lion's den, these kind of stories of God shutting the mouths of lions, quenching the power of fire, it says. We... Kind of takes us back to that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went into the fiery furnace and were not consumed that God came and it says they escaped the edge of the sword. Many of these prophets escaped being killed by the sword. Some of them didn't, but you see this personal deliverance. But then there's also kind of these like personal gifts from God as well as this deliverance. It says from weakness were made strong. That God took people that were weak And made them strong. David was this kid when he beats and kills Goliath, this great giant. Gideon was called the weakest member of the weakest clan of Israel, who was a nation that was just getting defeated over and over and over again. And that's who God says, I'm going to make you strong. So you see my strength. I want you, I'm going to work through you in this way. And then just the huge culmination, it says at the very end, is that women received back their dead by resurrection. And we do, we see that like Elijah raised the son of this widow, Zarephath. Elisha raised the son of a Shunammite woman from the dead. And then we see even in Jesus with a couple people that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus raised the son of the widow of Nain and Jesus raised Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha from the dead. (laughs) So these incredible stories of like, by faith we see God's, faithfulness and so it's sort of like when you think it's almost easy to have faith sometimes during these great moments of victory it's harder in the suffering it's it's easy to have faith in 2019 it's harder to have faith in 2020 we might kind of refer to it as a, a 2019 kind of faith or a 2020 kind of faith and like how do we have faith in both of those moments and so what i think that God has for us through this whole chapter is, God wants us to look back to these examples of faith. And so even for you, when have you seen God come through for you? And I, I mean, I wrote that sentence, but I don't totally love it, but come through for you of God's presence there, even with you in the midst of difficult times— when have you seen God answer prayers, even in the way that you do hope and want for it to be? And it's built your faith. So we look back on those moments and that builds our faith. I look back on moments where God did a healing work in myself and my mom, when God called me to ministry and I, I look back on these supernatural moments and like hold on to these times and it builds my faith for the future. So this whole chapter... This whole chapter has been kind of a, it's almost like a song that's just building and building and building and building until it comes to a moment of crescendo. You've got this kind of Subtle definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And then it's kind of building up more. And it's talking about Abel and Enoch and Noah. And then it's going to kind of get a little bit more intense into these great patriarchs of the faith of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And he's like, you want me to build it more? Let's go to Moses. Moses, the great deliverer of the people of Israel. And the song's just building more. And they go into the promised land as it mentions Rahab. And then it goes into David, their great king and saying it's going to, you know, we quench the power of fire, shutting the mouths of lions, and then people are coming back from the dead. The song just hits that ultimate crescendo. And then you get one of the biggest drops (laughs) that a song could ever have, because this song goes to such a dark and low moment when faith is as bad as it gets. It starts talking about people being scourged. To be scourged is what Jesus went through when they whipped him to the brink of death. They're mocked, they're tempted. It says they were killed with rocks by throwing rocks and they were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. I mean, that's just kind of almost too much, right? It's just, it's just like suffering that people went through. And so this whole thing just drops out here in this moment for us to have a kind of faith that can endure, that can last in the darkest and darkest of moments. And so we see all those examples, these people that were tortured, but it says they didn't take the easy way out. They were tortured and did not renounce their faith because they had hope for a greater Resurrection. They had hope for the future. They had hope for the way that God would deliver them, even if they would not be saved physically. God doesn't save everyone physically, but God does save everyone who is saved by grace through faith, spiritually, that there is this eternal hope that we have. And so I want us to even kind of like remember too the audience of this letter originally, to remember that you have this group of people, Jewish people who are either sort of like considering following Jesus or are following Jesus. And they're pretty new to all of this. And they're starting to get mocked. They're starting to get persecuted. And they're thinking about giving up. And so they're saying, hey, don't give this up. Don't give up. These others, they went through really hard times, but they did not renounce their faith. They did not give up. I wanna encourage you by the example of all of these Old Testament saints that had great victories, but also now he's bringing in this great suffering. They also went through suffering and that was experienced by the Old Testament saints, by the New Testament saints, and by you and I. We all experience suffering to varying degrees in all of our lives. And so we need a faith that's built up from those good moments, those good times, those victories, and we find like assurance and hope and we hold on to those moments But we need that to be built up to be able to get through those bad moments. So you look back on the past to see how God has worked. There's a guy obviously named Peter, one of the disciples, one of the key disciples, the key leader in the early church. He wrote a book called 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, he says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we have this hope that is alive. We have this hope that's not just a, a hope that is in something that is kind of, you know, is dead or gone or in the past. We have hope that's alive because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Peter is trying to get us to look to that, to have the vision and perspective to look to that hope first. And so then he says that to obtain an inheritance, which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. So we have this hope that, that won't go away, that's reserved, it's protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so then Peter says to us, in this you greatly rejoice. In that, in that fact that we have this living hope reserved in heaven, our salvation, we rejoice in that, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed. And it talks about, in another translation, calls this all kinds of grief. You are in grief. So you have this, you rejoice in this salvation, even though for a little while you've been distressed by various trials. I always think, too, it's kind of interesting when you you read three words like by various trials, but then you read (laughs) that thing we read in Hebrews 11 about, being stoned to death or sawn in two or walking around in sheepskins and living in caves. Okay, that's what they're talking about when it just says these three words by various trials. So don't just think it's like, oh, I'm having kind of a hard day. No, like these are intense trials. These people are going through, but he says, you can rejoice even though for a little while, this life on this earth is a, just a blip on a long course of eternity. So, it's back to the verse. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So this beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture by a person that we sort of by tradition know ended up dying by being crucified upside down. He went through intense, horrible suffering and persecution, but said, hey, this is a momentary affliction This is a momentary suffering that we have in these trials. But we can have joy when we have our perspective placed upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation that we have in him. And so he encourages us in that, in the midst of that. And so I ask you here, when have you seen suffering lead to growth in your faith? Have you? Have you seen moments of suffering lead to growth? Just think about that for a moment. Have you been able to look back and think about how God has worked in those dark times and been present with you in those hard times? Because Jesus is going to continue, and the author of Hebrews will continue, to help us to understand this because You see, having faith in those dark times is not about us and our strength or willpower and all of that. Our faith actually gets promised and perfected by Jesus. And I want to show you that. Okay, let's look again at the very end of Hebrews 11. It says, All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Okay, because what was promised... In the Old Testament, right, what was promised through these prophecies of the Messiah to come. So these prophecies coming true that Jesus becoming the Messiah, right, him, him, the Messiah being revealed in Jesus, they didn't get to see that. So they did not get to see that promise fulfilled because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. <coughs> Excuse me. So... So what you have here is that they didn't get to receive that promise yet because we all will receive that promise together at the return of Jesus Christ. That we all will be able to enter into that glory together. That we will have that ultimate sanctification, our glorification together at the second coming of Jesus. And so, then what I want us to recognize is so they're waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, and they're recognizing that that is to come. And that's why you can't stop. Like Hebrews 11, you can't stop at the end of Hebrews 11. And, you know, people made up these numbers, God didn't make up these chapter breakdowns. You got to read 12, 1, and 2. And we're going to preach in full on 12, 1, and 2 in about a month after Christmas, but we're going to preach on it a little bit now because 12, 1 starts with the word therefore. So all of this, all of these stories of these amazing uh, heroes of our faith, they all come along, and then even this suffering and this promise that's to come, it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that cloud of witnesses are all of those heroes of faith. That cloud of witnesses are all the people of the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even I would say the people here and now in our church surrounding us that are people of faith, that are an example to us. We have this cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And so, because of that, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we have this whole, all these people surrounding us with their stories of faith, and that will help us then to get rid of our sin. Like, just don't let sin hold us back. Don't just get bogged down by all that sin in our life or the other things that encumber and hinder us and entangle us, and let's run this race of our faith with endurance, to have a faith that endures, a faith that lasts. As we learn, kind of just like that first century reader or listener to this text was being encouraged, we are being encouraged as well. And part of this that I want us to have when we think about this whole story, that whole song of all of these heroes of faith, is is part of this is recognizing the bigger story, okay? Recognizing our place in the larger story as we run this race with endurance. Because, you know, every single person in that whole story of, of the Old Testament, like they didn't even get to see the promise, it says. And, but they lived out their part of that story. Because, you see, it's, it's a beautiful moment in our lives of faith when God, you know, we have this awareness that God enters and becomes part of our story. We look at the story of our life and all the different milestones in our life and we think, oh, that was that moment that God entered my story. And then that was another moment where God provided or that was another moment where I saw God come through in a way where I, it just built up my faith. But it's an even more beautiful moment when we recognize that it isn't just about God being part of our story. It's really about us being part of God's great story that he's telling in the line from Abel to Abraham to Moses to David to us today. And, you know, sometimes I think we get kind of a little bit overly caught up in our own story and we kind of think it's actually all about us and i think that's when sometimes we can sort of lose perspective it reminds me of this thing if uh remember i've talked to you about a lot about this but that my friend and fellow pastor, Jay Hewitt, that did that whole Ironman triathlon, did a full one with terminal brain cancer, undergoing treatments, incredible story, and so he actually did do it, and he's getting interviewed, like it was such an amazing story that he's on podcasts, he's on morning shows, he's like being written about in articles, they're making a movie about it, like a documentary movie about it, and then he was even on Center. ESPN Sports Center. He's being interviewed because they're so like his story is so incredible that they, they interviewed him about his story. Now he sent me a text and said, Eric, I was on Sports Center. So I was watching it and then I took this, as I was watching it, I took this like screenshot of it on my phone and I texted back to him and said, Bro, all I see is myself. On Sports Center doing sports. That's all I see. All I see is me on Sports Center. But like this is where, this is where we can get, this is exactly how we can get so caught up in our own story that we lose sight. Because guess what? Nobody is watching this documentary or this sports center episode and thinking, man, the guy in the yellow jersey, you know? That's what it's all about. It's all about the guy in the yellow jersey, right? Just, this is such an incredible story of guy in yellow jersey. Man, that must be a really great, great guy. No, it's Jay. Jay's the one in the front. Jay's the one here. I happened to get in a couple shots because they couldn't get the frame tight enough to keep me out of it, even though I was doing the whole bike portion with him. Now, what I want you to understand is I had an important role in the story, but it's Jay's story, I had, a good, I had a role, like I was with him in training, helping encourage him, doing the whole bike ride with him, kind of encouraging him as he went. It wasn't about. It didn't matter though if I felt tired. It didn't matter if I was, you know, burning out or not, you know, like having proper nutrition so that I could do the next part. It didn't matter because it's not my story. My my role in this story was to encourage Jay and to help him to do well. That's the story. And so I think a lot of times we can get so caught up in our own story that we have this and be like, "Dude, look, I'm on SportsCenter." Right Or like the biblical story is all about me. It's all about God being part of my great story. No, you are a part of God's great story. And when you see that you have an important role to play in God's story, you really matter in God's story, but it's ultimately God's story that our goal is to make his name great, not our own. That's what it's about. That will give us the proper perspective As we go through various trials, moments where we're exhausted, moments where we have nothing left to give, moments where everything goes wrong, but we focus on Jesus. And that's why the very next verse says, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our eyes are fixed on him because he is not, he's not the one that says, you have to have the faith. Get this. The whole beauty of this verse is Jesus says, I'm the one that wrote your faith. I'm the one that started your faith. And I'm the one that promised it, provided for it. And I am the one that will perfect it. So I will complete it. I've started your faith and I will finish your faith. I will complete it and perfect it for you. So we look to Jesus in the moments where we have no faith or the moments where we feel strong, it's all because of Jesus. I, I like thinking back again to Peter, okay? So Peter is the guy who walks on water, right? There's this moment where Jesus calls Peter out of the boat, and Peter gets up, steps out of the boat, and actually walks on top of water. It's crazy, it's amazing. But then... He takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he says he looks to the wind and the waves, and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. To the guy walking on water, he says, oh, you of little faith. So how, like, so how big could my faith be, right? My faith must be just kind of my, just be minute, minuscule, nothing, right? He's walking on water, and Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. But, you know, Jesus doesn't say, oh, you have little faith and then kind of like step on his head and push him down the water and walk away. No, Jesus reaches out his hand and rescues him and draws him in and loves him and cares for him, even though he was of little faith. But our faith is strong when our eyes are on Jesus. When we look to the wind and the waves, the struggles of this life, the suffering that we go through, yeah, that's when we begin to sink We fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the one that wrote it and he's the one that will perfect it. And so Peter is the one that learns that then later in life is the one that can write, keep your focus on your salvation that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And even in any trial, you can have inexpressible joy in the midst of that suffering. Peter had learned that perspective through some significant moments in his life and I ask, what have you learned? And you might feel like this year you have nothing to be thankful for. You know, it's just, ugh, this year's just been full of struggle and disappointment and things not going the way we would hope. But it's not just about being thankful in the good times. It's to be thankful in all times. And so I want to encourage us to let gratitude for God and for this great cloud of witnesses around us to be our posture. And I think that giving thanks to say, to kind of answer this question, what are you thankful for? It requires looking back on the ways that God has provided for you. To think about what are you thankful for is a similar thing to think, how has God been faithful to you? It's a similar question. How has God been faithful to you? So when we have this spirit of gratitude and we give thanks for what God has done for us each day, no matter what the day brings, we know that God then is building our faith through that. So I encourage us to enter this posture of gratitude and of looking back on God's faithfulness, but ultimately we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is the one that is the solid rock. He will never change. He's firm when we grab onto him. He holds on to us, no matter what comes in this life. No matter what wind and waves come, Jesus is that solid rock. So let's fix our eyes on Him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we, we look to you. We fix our eyes on you. Help us to not waver in our focus, in our perspective. I pray that we could have that perspective of joy that strengthens us, that gives us strength because it's from you, God. That even when we go through struggles and trials, you are present, you are working. God, I pray that you would build our faith for those difficult moments. And may our eyes always be on you, our solid, solid rock love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd encourage us to stand together wherever you are and let's sing and worship our God.